Lord, we love you, and we just sense a true family vibe in the body of Christ, more so than what we've ever known. And we're hungry for that. But we're tired of all the corporate ideology that has infiltrated into the church. And we're asking, Lord, that you would help us to uh, unravel that and move out of a corporate mindset more into a kingdom mindset in everything that we do. Would you soften our hearts that we might truly be able to receive the seed of your word that would take root in our lives as you're forming Christ within us and the world around us would begin to experience the expression of your kingdom and your love not because of what we can do but because of what you have done and the way it transforms everything about our lives teach us today Lord I pray you awaken within us a greater revelation of the fear of the Lord that we read about in Nehemiah chapter 5 in Jesus mighty name Amen so we are in this church-wide Bible study of the book of Nehemiah it's been a lot of fun for me it's challenging but really fun uh, just to experience something a little different than what I've commonly known in ministry and teaching preaching um, and so as I'm just kind of going chapter by chapter through this I'm just asking the Holy Spirit just to illuminate what it is you want to uh, focus to focus on and we're just gonna take our time with it I'm gonna read a ton of scripture today and like I'm so free that I'm saying I'm gonna read a ton of scripture I'm like unapologetic about it uh, where you know times past would be like okay I'm gonna read a long time hold on there you know put on your helmet but your seatbelt on get ready it's like man the church is becoming more mature and she's longing for something deeper than just a clever funny insight they really want the depth of the Word of God and so as we get into this particular chapter what we see is God using Nehemiah and a group of people interestingly enough to do exactly what we sense God is doing in this hour of the church and that is rebuild the work of God that exists within the earth as they were rebuilding the walls the ancient ruins that existed God is actually rebuilding the modern ruins that exist today and you and I are a vital part of that and I'm deeply deeply humbled that God would choose us a congregational family right here in this community to become that expression uh, in this hour of the church it's important that we understand that because people right now look upon uh, the church in modern day times and, and I always try and uh, you know give a little bit of a preface to when I say something like this I want you to know I love the church I don't hate the church I love the church <laughs> I, I want to be the church God wants us to be but people today worldwide but especially in the Western world they look upon the church and they see a mess they see ruins a shell of what actually should exist we have given ourselves to marketable celebration and we have undermined and neglected the deeper substance of God's kingdom God does not want us to give ourselves to celebration alone but he wants us to explore substance that actually is the expression of a greater celebration than you could possibly imagine. But if all we're ever doing is celebrating the cotton candy of the movement, then nobody's really getting nourished. 
and people just kind of drift. So people look on the, the church today and they see a mess, but God truly is introducing kingdom architecture in a deeper way where discernment begins to be high, where motives begin to be pure, where spiritual depth and maturity begin to abound. The church is becoming who God has called the church to become. God is forming Christ within you. Do you understand that? Like He's forming Christ within you right now. And even as we get into the Word and we just defer more to the presence of the Lord and the way we do what God's called us to do, then we start to explore that in the way we live, the way God's called us to live. Everywhere we go, we bring God's presence to real life. Like your five-foot circle is just paying attention to what the Holy Spirit is doing all throughout the week to the people that are within your reach, within the sound of your voice, within the reach of your love. Lord, help us to grow in this today. And we acknowledge you are the teacher here. You are one who brings impartation and activates things within our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name. <clears throat> so Brad Jones wrote this book. Uh, A.T. actually shared this book with me called Greater Fear. And it's a great book. In his book, he gives an illustration in regard to the fear of the Lord. He said, imagine yourself. Uh, some of you have heard me use this illustration before. Imagine yourself walking down railroad tracks with that crazy friend. I added the crazy friend to the analogy uh, because a crazy friend turned me onto the book. And so imagine you're walking down the railroad tracks with a crazy friend. Anybody have a crazy friend in the room? You have a crazy friend. Maybe some of you are the crazy friend. And so you're walking down the railroad tracks with a crazy friend and you see this long railroad, this train bridge ahead that, you know, is like, it, it's a ravine that goes down way down water down there and this long winding track around into a train tunnel. And your crazy friend and you are walking and y'all like go on and you're, you're, you're walking across this, this bridge and you get like halfway. It's a long bridge. You get about halfway and your crazy friend says, come on, man, let's do it. And he jumps off, Geronimo, into the water. And you're standing there and you're like, you are my crazy friend. I'm not doing that. I'm afraid of the fall. I don't know how far it is. You might have just missed a rock. There might be a crocodile in that water. I mean, you've got all the reasons why you are not jumping. How many of you are not going to jump just because you're crazy stupid? Let's add it, friend, did this. And you're standing there, and all of a sudden, I mean, there's no way you're going to do it. He's like, come on in, man. The water's great. You're like, no way. And then you hear it. The train whistle has just come out of the tunnel and it is speeding toward you and you know where you are standing, the, the distance to get out, off that bridge, there's no way you can make that distance before that train gets to you. You are either going to jump or you're going to die. How many of you changed your mind, now you're going to jump? Okay, you have to. And in this book, Brad just points to this analogy and he simply says, you didn't have to pray about it. Nobody had to counsel you. There wasn't any need for fasting and prayer. Listen carefully, here it is. The greater fear had its work in your life and the lesser fear was immediately conquered. Anybody here ever deal with the fear of man? 
Anybody ever here with the fear of lack? Anybody ever here deal with the fear of not being fulfilled? All kinds of things drive places of temptation in our lives. And when we lack the fear of God, all these tiny little fears have a greater place of control in every one of our lives. But when we understand the fear of God, the greater fear has its work, and we can stand in any circumstance and declare, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. I don't have to pray about it, I don't have to fast about it. The greater fear is having its work in my life. The fear of the Lord is this awe-filled awakening of the human heart to the overwhelming majesty of our Creator, God. Like, He is so amazing. We can't just treat Him like a chummy bud. Like, He loves us, and, 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 and there's this amazing intimate connection and affection that we have with God. Don't get me wrong, that exists. Abba, Father, I get it. Daddy, God, all those things, those are realities. But let's not lose sight of the importance of the fear of the Lord our God who was and is, who forever will be, who knit you together before He formed you in your mother's womb. He actually purposed you and designed you. I mean, this is a God can tell us the future before it ever happens because He is a God of all eternity. When you start to understand you're living in His presence, it'll change everything about the disposition that you have. You'll negotiate business deals a different way. I'm about God's kingdom, and the favor of God will rest upon me, and you have no control. If God is giving me favor, I will get the deal. If I don't get the deal, all things work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. It does not matter what you do. It does not matter what the circumstances may be. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all we can ask or imagine. That's God's kingdom at work. When we are filled with this awe sense of God is able, like it frustrates the devil to no end. He can't win. And it changes everything about the way you steward what's been entrusted to your care. Nehemiah chapter 5 we read about how the fear of the Lord produces compassion and character in the life of God's people. The fear of the Lord awakens compassion. You understand? If all of a sudden somebody is in need and you're standing in the presence of Creator God, you are more inclined to be considerate of that need. It awakens this compassion and this character. The lack of the fear of the Lord opens the doorway to the manipulative use of power against those less fortunate. And Nehemiah addresses this in an amazing way. Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 12 to begin. Lord, I pray you would not only bless the public reading of your word, but you would help us to grow in a deeper understanding of just the powerful reality of that which takes place when we do exactly this. In Jesus' mighty name. <clears throat> now the men and their wives raised a, a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, 
We and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, we're mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, our homes to get grain during the famine. And still others were saying, we've had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. Although we are of the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and though our children are as good as theirs, yet we have, uh, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. And let me, well, the verse first. I'm going to keep on reading, but I want to just make a comment. But let's finish this verse. I told them, you are charging your own people interest so I called together a large meeting to deal with them. He's talking to the nobles. What's happening here is you've got ordinary people that just want to please the Lord, want to serve God, and then you've got these nobles. If you remember in earlier portions of Scripture when we were looking at this, nobles were refusing, some of the nobles were refusing to participate in the project of building. And the commoners that were associated with the nobles actually had to do double time to make up for the work the nobles didn't, weren't willing to do. Now what we're reading is some of these nobles, they are the ones that would be maybe stewarding um, the assets of uh, properties and so forth. The buildings are, uh, you know, the, the walls being rebuilt. This is really something because people in these roles of leadership and government, which again we'll read about in a few moments, the next text, uh, but they could go in and buy property and then see the walls restored and what would happen to the value of the property? It would skyrocket. And so they might be able to do it legally, but there were things they were doing maybe legally that were not morally correct in the sight of God. And so this is what he's addressing and this is why the people are complaining because they had been abused and, and manipulated and controlled in so many respects by those that were actually their own people that had been appointed in these leadership roles. And so verse 8, after he calls together a large meeting, he deals with them, verse 8, and he said, As far as possible, we have brought back, bought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you're selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us. They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. So I continued, what you are doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God? The fear of God will change the way you steward your business. Verse 11, give back to them immediately their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, their houses, and also the interest you're charging them. 1% of the money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. And their response, verse 12, standing now in the fear of the Lord, seeing the error of their ways. We will give it back, they said, and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. The fear of the Lord will change the way we live, we love, we serve, we give, we work, we lead. It'll change everything. This is the kingdom architecture that's being introduced into the modern-day work 
that God is trying to re rebuild in the body of Christ. The fear of the Lord is an automatic um, expression of humility in our lives. The more we humble ourselves in the Lord, the more we walk in the fear of the Lord, and the more we walk in the fear of the Lord, the more then He is able to lift us up. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, walk in the fear of the Lord, He will entrust more to your care. You'll stop with any manipulative tactics of taking advantage of people around you that might be less fortunate in any way. They don't have as much leverage. And you'll do what you do, not just because it's that which is legal, but because it's that which is honorable to God and dignifying to humanity, and that is the architecture of the kingdom of God. So what we see, the fear of the Lord, produces a transformation. And I want you to track this very carefully. I don't do a lot of, of political interaction, but this is highly political what I'm about to journey into with you. What we see is a transformation taking place because of the fear of the Lord. Those that were ungodly rich in the fear of the Lord became godly rich. There are actually, when it comes to wealth, there are four categories of people. I just gave you two. Ungodly rich, those who have no fear of the Lord. Godly rich, those who have wealth and resources and they fear the Lord. There is also ungodly poor, those who don't have much and they don't have any fear of the Lord, and godly poor, those who don't have much and they live in the fear of the Lord. These are the four categories of people in the realm of finance, and we need to understand it because we live in a society and in a day in the political climate in our lives that's actually born from a very ungodly basis, an ungodly way of thinking from Karl Marx, an atheist. Marxism actually would take exception to these four categories and would not um, see it that way at all. There would only be Marxism, by the way, Marxism produces socialism, Marxism produces communism. Uh, Marxism wars against the ideology that we would stand for in this nation of, uh, of the people known, you know, here we are standing as a, a group of people, we're trying to demonstrate and pursue the, the equality. I'm just talking about the nation that we live in, the Constitution that said we're, we're going to try and move into a place where we give everybody a voice and everybody is able to contribute to the nation we're to become. is a beautiful expression of community. I'm not even saying all of that is, you know, kingdom or I'm not trying to put all that together, but it's a beautiful expression of community and I, I want you to see how that is battled against by the ideas of Marxism. Marxism, socialism, that whole perspective, even the basis of communism. Because there are not four categories when you're godless and you're an atheist, you don't understand godly or ungodly, so you don't have four categories, you only have two categories, rich and poor. And when you only have two categories and you don't believe in God, then you need the government to step in. Because nobody's going to be converted to do something kind with the possessions that they have. And so, I mean, th this idea, this Marxist idea actually takes the concept and the, the perspective that, well, we need the government to keep the rich people from doing whatever bad stuff they did to make the money that they have because if somebody is rich, surely they've been oppressive and cruel to get the riches and the wealth that they have. Y'all are really quiet. 
But this is what we're hearing over and over and over in the political atmosphere in the society in which we live. And we need to be very aware of the basis of where this is all coming from. What we really need is for the rich godly and the poor godly to take over the world so Jesus can be president. That's what we really need. I I hate to oversimplify, but I don't know if you heard it or not, but Jesus is actually the way. And if we want to come into a place where kingdom flourishing is happening in the earth, then we need to stop believing that the answer is found in a political party. I'm not against politics and you be whatever political affiliation you want to be, and absolutely I'm a citizen of this nation. I have an obligation before God to get out and let my voice be heard, and I will vote, and I will cast votes for that which I have a conviction about. There's a moral obligation for me to to align myself with what I believe would be the heart of God and the way I'm casting votes. I understand all of that. But you need to understand there are agendas out there that are trying to manipulate you into this mindset that we're reading about in Nehemiah chapter 5. And and without any type of hope of true transformation, there can be no God transformation. So you only have two categories. And I say today, there are four categories and Jesus needs to be the one winning the godless out of a godless lifestyle into a godly lifestyle where Jesus... Jesus is Lord of everything that we are and everything that we own. There are godless rich, but the fear of the Lord awakens God's plan for us to use our wisdom and our wealth to cause flourishing in such a way that we're mindful of the needs of others, especially those who are marginalized and oppressed. This church does an amazing job of ministering to people that are in need. You just have to, I mean, I, I wish we had time. Like, I'm only like even maybe a third of the way through the message of, that I thought I was going to be able to bring. So I'm not going to try and add another segment here. Uh, don't worry, we'll be out by three. LAUGHTER But we are a church that is making such an impact in our community that city officials look to us as a beacon of hope in our community. That is a beautiful reality. You have no idea the number of interactions Pastor Chris is having. I mean, he like this last week, he was like, I know we've got this pastor meeting that we're going to be having on the campus, but I was asked, could I be a part of the economic development committee meeting that's to take place? And, and, and I was like, uh, yeah, pastor of the community, go do it. Uh, and I mean, they're inviting him into how can we develop this community that in many ways has been marginalized and oppressed into a place that begins to flourish. That's who God's called you and me to be in this city. Come on. The Great Commission is not just about this, you know, get everybody here. In fact, it's not y'all come, it's y'all go. Find your place and go make a difference. Nehemiah chapter 5. Let's read on verse 14 and following. Moreover, from the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah until his 32nd year, 
12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. You hear what he's describing. This is godly rich. I had the right, but in consideration of the needs of those around me, I didn't do that which I had the right to do. Beautiful compassion being expressed. Verse 15, but the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistants also lorded it over the people. Here it is, but out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. This is the fear of the Lord. Verse 16, instead I devoted myself to work on this wall, all my men were assembled there for work. We did not acquire any land. This is the idea I'm talking about. Buy the land, build it up, sell the land, you make a mint, and then everybody's in you know, trouble. They have to have the land to be able to do the farm work, to feed the families, and so forth. But we did not acquire any land. Verse 17, furthermore, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came to us from the surrounding nations. Each day, one ox, six choice sheep, and some poultry were prepared for me, and every ten days, an abundant supply of wine of all kinds. In spite of all this, I never demanded the food allotted to the governor because the demands were heavy on these people. Here's his prayer. Remember me with favor, my God, for I have done uh, what I've done for these people. We find 14 recorded prayers in the short book of Nehemiah. <clears throat> He's clearly coming back over and over and again, conversationally with the Father in a way um, that he is living in a state of the fear of the Lord. Whew. Honestly, sometimes I'm just speaking and I just sense the Lord resting on you. I feel that right now. Would you just open your heart and just, like, this is not about religious ideologies that we're trying to present and convince you to try and be more morally upright so Jesus can be re represented well. That is not Christianity. That's religion. That killed Jesus. That's what crucified Jesus. That way of thinking crucified him. Always just trying to, you know, look great. And if you mess up the way it appears, I'm going to attack you. And Jesus came and he began messing up the way the, the Pharisees appeared. We do not want to create Pharisees in this place. We must walk in the fear of the Lord. So come on, just open your heart. Maybe just extend your hands like this. Lord, let's ask the worship team to go ahead and come. I'm not sure how long we'll go, but... Lord, we have to know the fear of the Lord as our way of life. Or we're hopelessly lost with compounding problems from trying to present ourselves as morally upright when we are internally empty. The world looks upon the modern day stream of church and sees such a mess because we've not looked at what you're revealing the way you're revealing it right now. So I pray that we would treat our friendships with consideration of the fear 
of God. We would treat our spouses, our husbands and wives, in respect to the fear of God. We would raise our children, understanding that we have the parental right to be forceful and harsh. But we have a moral obligation to reflect the nature of Christ. Would you help us, Lord, to understand what it is to walk in the fear of the Lord this week? As we go to work, we would learn what it is to work in the fear of the Lord. That we would understand that the reality is we don't work for an earthly boss. We're serving the purposes of the king. So giving our best is not a question. When the, cow, when the cat's away, the mouse works like crazy out of wholehearted devotion to the king of all kings regardless of the, of the boss's presence or not help us Lord to learn the fear of the Lord in the way we love each other help us to learn the fear of the Lord in the way we have our devotions when we open your word that we wouldn't just read through to check something off of a list but we would read and reflect and ponder and embrace not just the word of God, but to encounter the God of the Word, the author of the book, in the way we explore the fear of the Lord as our way of life. Oh God, I thank you. You're depositing something within us right now. You're introducing us to a greater reality of what this is all about. I want to just say to our church family, as things get darker, God's people must go deeper in their devotion to the Lord and the expansion of God's kingdom. As things get darker, God's people must go deeper. Let's just stand together. <clears throat> I, I know um, I hope you don't get weary of this language <laughs> because it is really sincere. I thank you that we can be on this journey together. Like the last thing you need to think is happening is that we've figured something out and then we're like getting up here to make sure you all get it like half the time now when I'm up here I'm just standing up here like oh God what a, I really need you like I'm, I'm not even sure am I supposed to be saying I mean, this morning I got up and I wanted to kind of rehearse the message and, and the Lord was taking me to another place of conversation and I was just like I know you want to talk about this, Lord, but like I'm going to be standing in front of all these people and I'd like to kind of go over these notes. And 
okay and I went down this pathway and then that led me to another pathway and then the second pathway I was pointing back I mean this literally happened all morning I got up at five o'clock this morning because I just wanted to pray over what I was gonna be you know saying I never ever the whole morning long never had the chance to even look at this and in, in worship I said to Tracy I gotta go just clear my head I went back in the green room I thought I'll go back there and look at my notes and then that didn't work out those guys are crazy back there the, the cave The Lord just is desiring to activate the conversational relationship with the Father that we might understand the fear of the Lord is this integrating of this awe-filled awakening to the vastness of who He is and the way we live our lives and the way we love each other and the way I would stand up and preach and the way you will go out and let your lifestyle be the preach that you carry everywhere you go in your five circle in the world you're in. <laughs> so I want to ask you this week, if you would, your action point is just read two chapters of Nehemiah every day like sincerely there's there, are you getting the picture there's something in this particular book of Nehemiah for the modern-day church that you and I are living in I think there are things that will be unlocked I know it can get mundane because I'm doing this too I'm reading at least two chapters every day and sometimes more than that and I'm just like okay I'm going back to Nehemiah reading some more I mean I've read it multiple times through and I just know it's actually having a supernatural purpose of unlocking something within us this is not just about acquiring information and motivational speakers and being positive this is about impartation in the kingdom of God and what God's desiring to do so this week, read those two chapters a day as best you can stay the course with that and ask God to awaken the fear of the Lord in all of our hearts. Lord, would you awaken the fear of God in our hearts? It is a lack of the fear of the Lord that can hear the message of the cross of Jesus Christ and walk away and not devote ourselves fully to the life of Christ as our way of life. So we just want to surrender to you today Lord we surrender to you fresh and new we say Jesus you came you lived you died you're risen from the grave you are who you say you are come on if that's the declaration of your life and you say he is your savior you he is your Lord then why don't you say amen the amazing thing is if you've not made that decision if you've not made that decision and then you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord you've just made that decision it's that simple but then we have to follow his ways grow in the fear of the Lord salvation happens in a moment but Lordship takes a lifetime a wedding happens in a moment but a marriage is developing through the course of your entire life. It's the same concept. Salvation is that moment you stand before the Lord. You literally say, I do. <laughs> and then like you fulfill that for the rest of your life. And you grow in knowing Him. And you grow in loving Him. And you grow in becoming who He's desiring you to be from the very beginning of time. It's amazing. I'm blown away at this beautiful Christian walk that we get to experience with the Lord our God. So Lord, we just say, would you take us deeper into an understanding of who you are and who you've called us to be, who Christ is in us and who we are in Christ, who we are together as a family. In Jesus' mighty name. We're going to just take a few moments in worship. It's kind of our our way as a church family of taking that which God's stirring in our hearts and we just give it back in beautiful worship to Him.
And as we're doing this today, if you've made a decision to accept Christ or you, you want to make that decision, then I would invite you to come during worship to our prayer teams that are going to be up here. And once a month, we actually introduce our elders in the place of the prayer team. I'm so thankful for our prayer team every single week. Uh, who just gives themselves to really praying and interceding and believing God. Can we just give it up for our prayer team, faithful in and out. So this is that once a month time when we introduce all of our elders so that you know who our elders are and you can receive prayer from them. The prayer team can receive prayer if they need anything. So as I call our elders' names, would you please uh, make your way up on the sides? Jim and Diana Howard, Jason and Heather Shiflett, Ryan and Gina Perry, Derek and Crystal Wilson, Dave and Lauren Fulford, Wade and Jennifer Moore. And we just want to be available if there's anything we can pray with you about in these few moments of worship where we're bringing things back to the Lord if we can agree with you about anything going on in your own heart and life, if we can agree with you about anything going on in those that might be around you, then don't hesitate because we'll stand here in this posture of the fear of the Lord, trusting Him to break into whatever situation may be. And Lord, we just invite you. Come on, just take whatever God's stirring in your heart and let's give it back to Him as we worship the Lord our God.